Today we'll be discussing Tourette syndrome and its relationship with television, movies, and TikTok. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. But today, we're actually going to be flipping the script uh, just a little bit. Today, we're going to talk about Tourette syndrome and its connection with media and social media. We thought it would make more sense to do the medical part first and explain what Tourette syndrome is, and then we'll do the entertainment part second. So, Asif, yeah, we'll get to why Tourette syndrome is on uh, both of our minds at this point and, and has been uh, over the last year or so. Uh, it's something, it's kind of an area of expertise of yours, first of all. Let's just set it up that way, right? You are... This is something you see very often in your line of work. Yeah, I have developed an interest in in movement disorders in children over time. And so that's majority of patients that I see now. And Tourette's syndrome is one of these movement disorders. Because I think there's a lot of... My wife had a, a teacher in high school that was uh, had Tourette's syndrome. I think depending what you when you grew up and what you watched, you would have certain assumptions of what it is, but there's also a lot of what it isn't in different uh, you know, manifestations of it. So can you explain for the layperson what is Tourette syndrome? Right. So let's take a step back. So Tourette syndrome consists of people having tics, right? And so when we say tics, we don't mean the tics that you know you walk in the woods and you get a Lyme tick on disease. you in Lyme disease. Lyme disease is a whole other subject, which I don't know, maybe one day we'll talk about. Hopefully not, but maybe one day we'll talk about. Some aspects of Lyme disease are very controversial. So anyway, that's another topic. He's but scared of those, controversy. That's right. Um, <laughs> actually, today will be probably controversial in our second part. So, But this part is pretty straightforward. So ticks, what we're talking about, these movements or noises that we see, pretty common. And the movements and noises that are kind of uncontrollable. But it's it's interesting. They're uncontrollable in a sense that you have an urge to do the movement and you can't overcome that urge and then you do the movement and you feel better. So you can actually control them. They're not a complete uncontrollable movement. We see other movement disorders uh, in pediatrics where you can have zero control over it. You have control over it, but it's like an itch that you have to scratch. Like you kind of have to do it to relieve this sense of inner tension. Is it connected to stuttering in any way? Stuttering being something that, no. Yeah, not particularly, but there are, you'll see kids with Tourette's syndrome who also have stuttering, but they're considered different. What is the prevalence of Tourette syndrome? Is it something that's, you know, this is always my question about things like this. It feels like it's more common than it ever was, but is that just because we know more about it? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So let's, so ticks themselves, and we'll get to what Tourette syndrome means in a second, but ticks are very common in childhood. Some studies estimate up to 15 to 20% of kids can have ticks at some point in their childhood. So this is one of the things I try and emphasize to patients quite a bit. And just as, a, as an aside, 
I have to go through this kind of description to patients so much because, you know, these movements and noises, people get very concerned about them. They think there's something seriously wrong with them. And then you reassure people like, no, it's very common in childhood. If something is occurring in 15 to 20% of children at some point, you have to wonder, is it really a neurologic problem or just a part of your development of your brain, right? When it's that common. Yeah. One out of five is massive. Yeah, so a lot of those kids uh, will just outgrow it in less than a year. Like you have them for a little bit, then they then they go away. To have Tourette syndrome, you need to have ticks that go on for more than a year, and you have to have abnormal movements, at least two, and at least one noise. And if you fulfill those criteria, then you would have Tourette syndrome. So that that's all that's all it means, uh, and that that occurs in about one percent of all people is Tourette syndrome. So you know, I'm just asking as a parent and and putting on my uh, parental shoes and uh, my parental concern cap there because we've talked about other things like this. Can you have Tourette without ever having those ticks, or is it always those ticks that then lead to Tourette? The definition of Tourette syndrome is just having at least two movements and one noise. That's it. That's all it means. And it has to last for over a year and it starts below age 18. Okay. I guess what I'm asking is really then the right question I'm asking, I can now phrase it properly as you just explained that. Does Tourette syndrome always start in young people and does it always start as some tick or ticks? And then it just becomes something yes. that so doesn't so go So that's away. why that's why Tourette syndrome, and we'll talk about this in the second half, has been kind of portrayed in the media, perhaps unfairly, with a bunch of other things going on. It just means ticks. And most people have ticks that are very minor. So like usually the facial ticks are blinking, uh, nose scrunching, maybe some facial movements. And the vocal ticks, the noises, is not swearing and and co complicated phrases and saying, you know, profanities to people or objectionable words that you see on TV. That is so uncommon in in kids; it almost never occurs. So, the, but it's 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 humming, sniffing, throat clearing. Those are the ticks that that we see, and and, th and that's all that it means when you see it. So, in terms of what what occurs with it over time, it's a good question. So, it usually starts around age five or six, so kind of when you're starting school, and then there's this peak in the pre-adolescence years, from ages ten through twelve to thirteen or so, and then it improves over time. So. By age 18, most kids have significant improvement or complete resolution in their tics. So this is another thing. So A, it's common. B, most kids, even if they have a peak between 10, 11, 12, 13, they will then have improvement over time with many people resolving by the time they reach age 18. I think most people would be wondering at this point, what causes it? Yeah, so is we, there a cause? Is yeah, there so you probably know it's my famous answer. We don't know. We don't know. Classic. There is a genetic component, it does tend to run in families, but we don't have like a gene that we can test for or anything like that. We think it has to do with these connections between these deeper areas in our brain called the basal ganglia and the frontal lobe areas, and the frontal lobe areas control inhibition and things like that. And so we think it's a problem with those connections going back and forth. One interesting thing, though, is, you know, we said that there's often a family history, but it doesn't have to be a family history of tics or Tourette syndrome. Sometimes it can be a family history of what we call related disorders, and the most common ones are anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, ADHD, 
uh, which we talked about in previous episodes. So those are often seen in the family. So maybe someone in the family will have those symptoms and not have tics. And in fact, those disorders, especially ADHD, OCD, anxiety, and depression to a certain extent, are seen very commonly as what we call comorbidities, coexisting with Tourette's syndrome. Again, one does not lead to the other. They are not connected in that way, but you often see them, uh, these multiple things in place at once. That's interesting. So it, it's, it's tough sometimes for families. So say they come in and they're ki- and so, you know, 1% of all kids is, is a lot, right? We're talking uh, about like uh, in Canada, uh, probably 300,000 kids, you know, with, with, with tics and Tourette syndrome. So it's a lot of patients. So what we did at our hospital is we have a YouTube video, which um, we, we, we put up, which kind of explains all of this stuff we just talked about, you know, and, and, uh, and treatment as well, which we can get into if you want. Um, and I mean, the downside of the video is it features me. So that's kind of like, you know, sad. Yeah, I know. But, but what I explain in the video is some patients come in to uh, see me and, you know, they come in thinking there's just ticks. Is there something serious going on? It almost never is. I don't do any tests uh, other than just talking to them. Uh, I don't do any investigations. I don't do MRI scans or other tests like that. You don't need any tests, blood tests. You don't need anything like that. So we just assess them and then uh, give them the diagnosis. And and so the video helps because it kind of goes over a lot of what I talk about. But with regards to those other disorders, you know, you can come into the clinic and think you just have tics and leave saying, oh, by the way, you also probably have ADHD and anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder. So that's a bit stressful. You're like, what, 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 I have all these things. And it's important to, first of all, identify those things because those things that studies show often cause more impairment in your daily life than the ticks. So in other words, the ticks bring you to medical attention, but when you actually go beneath the surface, it's like the ADHD, you know, the kids are getting in trouble at school, it's OCD, so taking forever to do things because they have to check n- numerous times and things like that. Then the question is, well, you know, what I just happen to have all these things that aren't related, but there is a way I kind of conceptualize this. And I'm not the only person, obviously, this has been discussed in the scientific medical literature. But the way I look at it is you have difficulty putting on the brakes or inhibiting behavior. When you have tics, you have an urge to do the movement, you can't inhibit that behavior. So you do the tics, you know, to to relieve that that, uh, urge. When you have ADHD, like we're talking right now, and I hear a noise outside my window, I'm not stopping what we're doing and going looking, well, well, what was that out there? What's happening out there? We just, you ignore that. But someone with ADHD cannot overcome that. They have to go, you know, and so they can't inhibit or put the brakes on behavior. Same thing with anxiety. Like we're having a conversation now. Maybe I should be concerned about my mortgage payments. And if I'm wondering about that, you're talking to me. I'm like, well, what? What'd you say, Ali? Repeat that again. And same thing with OCD. OCD is a classic thing. So OCD, what happens is you have an obsession about something. And to relieve that obsession, usually something very bad happening to you or your family or something, to relieve that, you have to do a compulsion, which could be like a touching objects or, or counting or things like that. Um, and so you can't overcome that obsession. So you have to do the compulsion. So that's the way I kind of phrase it. All these things have to do with not being able to inhibit certain behaviors. So it's kind of all the same, you know, it's kind of all similar things, but just different aspects of it. That's one way I phrase it. But of course, the treatment is different for all these things. That's the only problem is that, you know, so you have to really decide if you have a laundry list of things, which one is it interfering with your life 
on a daily basis. And that's what you tackle first. And what happens with families is uh, you realize very quickly the ticks are not interfering with your life on a daily basis in the vast majority of people. In fact, it's 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 a it's a minority where it is. It's usually the other things. So you pick well, the one that's interfering with your life the most and then you look into treating that. So it's like a canary in the coal mine uh, ticks, would you say? Like it's usually evidence of something bigger uh, yeah, li- yeah. That, that doesn't always. Does, it's not always. Sometimes it's just ticks. That's it. That's that's fine. Uh, and sometimes we use the term TS. T- TS is Tourette syndrome. TS plus for patients who have you know other things going on. With Morbidities. Them. Okay. So uh, given that we are talking about Tourette syndrome specifically, how is it treated? Is it treatable? And in some cases, I think what you're suggesting is it doesn't really need to be treated because it's not playing a big role in interfering. That is what I'm suggesting. So the first thing is education. And there was a big campaign in Canada. You may have seen this on the back of like buses, I think it's from Tourette.ca, where they basically said that the treatment for Tourette syndrome is education. And the more education you get, and that's that's what it is. So that's why, again, we have this YouTube video, we have handouts, because really, you just want to educate people about about ticks that you know they're b- benign in a lot of people. You outgrow it in a lot of in a lot of cases. So that's the most important thing. But then treating is tough because we didn't mention a couple things, uh, which I should have. First of all, ticks come and go and change over time. Sometimes with no obvious reason. Sometimes they're worse with anxiety or stress. Uh, and so you can imagine this pandemic, we've seen an increase. And again, we could talk about that in the second part. But sometimes they get better or worse for absolutely no reason. So you can get fooled into thinking that any treatment um, will help, right? So in other words, you, I come, you come see me, uh, you know, patients are calling, I need an appointment right now because the ticks are really bad. So we book them in for an appointment and we start a medication. And then the ticks go down. You're like, oh, that medicine was amazing. And then the ticks go back up and um, then, okay, increase the dose of medicine. The ticks go back down. But what happens is even if you were to not treat them with medication, you would see this up and down no matter what. So you can get fooled that you think it's the medicine when in fact it's not. It's just what we call the natural history of the disease where it just goes up and down over time. So So medication doesn't work entirely because of that. In fact, no study that's ever looked at ticks uh, in terms of treating with medication has ever looked at you achieving zero ticks. In other words, there is medicine for it, but no medicine will ever take the ticks away completely. Okay. Uh, that's not so you, possible. These are conversations you must have with parents too about, by the way, we can engage in a treatment, but it will never be you know, perfectly. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you have to think about, well, why do you want to treat them? Because young kids, I would say under age 10, don't even notice they're having ticks. So who are they bothering? You know, who who is it bothering? And for me, it has to be bothering the patient, the person with the ticks. Then you would look into treating them. If not, I would be very hesitant to 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 initiate treatment. And then pe- parents are like, well, um, we're worried about bullying. You know, we're really worried about bullying because of the ticks. If you have a child who has red hair, well, my wife has red hair, and uh, they get bullied because they're red hair, you don't dye their hair black, right? Like the problem is with the bullies. The bullies need to be medicated. I'm just joking, but that's what, you know, <laughs> the problem is with the bullies. It's not with the child. It doesn't matter what they're being teased for, right? Like that, that, so um, I'm not sure medicating your child, uh, and listen, I'm not against medicine, as you know, we've, we've talked about this on the, on, the, on the show about pharma and things like that. I'm not against medicine, but in this case, I just don't see why it would work. The vast majority of patients I see do not go on medication, but 
There is a minority who the, the patient, the, the child or teenager is like, you know what, they are bothering me. I'd like to kind of look at something. And then we can look at medication as long as I they remember what I said, that it will not take ticks away completely ever. That's not realistic. The only thing that takes ticks away completely Remind is me time. again, you said it, kids have, uh, it's humming, sniffing, and what was the, there was a third throat clearing, one? Throat clearing. Throat clearing. Is it of value uh, for parents to draw attention to it? And ah, does that that's do a harm or question, right? yeah? This is by the way. These in case people are wondering, these weren't prepared questions. So that's a really good question. So you can tell by how stunned Asif is that I asked, that a, you asked a good question. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's <laughs> not. Yeah, he's not much of an actor, so that's real. <laughs> so um, yeah. So in fact, what happens is you. Uh, if you call attention to ticks, and this happens when I see them in 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 the clinic, when I say, okay, let's go over, can you tell me what ticks you have? They will start doing them. Ticks are highly suggestible, uh, which again, we'll talk about in the next section as well. Um, so ticks are very suggestible. So, um, you know, in general, you want to not call attention to them. But there is a circumstance where you do want to call more attention to them. And that's actually with a non-medicine treatment for ticks which I thought you'd be excited to hear about. I'm very excited, obviously. Yeah? Anything that keeps medicine at bay, I'm in. Tell me what it so, is. So I would say over the past you know, 15, 10 or 15 years, there's been a behavioral treatment for ticks, okay? And so you, it's done through a psychologist. The psychologist needs to have some specialized training in it. So there's not always a ton of people who have this training. Um, and what they do is they teach you to actually be more aware of your ticks. So it's not ignoring them. It's paying more attention to them. And especially seeing when you're going to have that urge to do the tick, right? And it's called CBIT, which is called Comprehensive Behavioral Intervention for Ticks. And what you do is you teach kids, say they have a tick that's really bothering them. So for example, say you have a tick where you fling your head back very violently. You, you teach kids, okay, identify the urge to do that tick. And instead of doing that tick, do another movement, which relieves the urge, but is more compatible with like, quote unquote, you know, everyday daily life. So instead of flinging your head back violently, you could just maybe put your hand behind your head. Uh, which I'm imitating to Ali now, but you guys can't see it. You know, like I'm scratching the back of my head, just kind of relaxing my head on my hand, right? And uh, when you do that, uh, you're hopefully be, being able to relieve the tick, but it looks uh, like more like an activity you do in, in normal everyday life. Okay, could you be? Could we have a moment of honesty between us here, though? Did you choose that example just so you could flex your bicep on screen? I did. To me? I, I, wow. did I did. I'm Mission gonna, accomplished. I'm going to do that clip. <laughs> I'm going to do that clip and put it on a repeat. Uh, uh, maybe I'll start a TikTok as well on that. So, but uh, so, but again, you know, with that behavioral treatment, it does not take ticks away completely. You're still going to have them. You're just converting really bothersome ones to less bothersome ones. Have you seen examples of you know sort of wear and tear on people's bodies? From you have right, yeah. It's it's not it's not that that's not that common, but especially there's some case reports of patients who um, they fling their neck back so violently they get a spinal cord injury. That's been described, and it's it's a bit tough. So there is a gray area between OCD and ticks. So for example, if I have to when I walk by a table, I have to touch it once. That could be a tick, could be OCD, but if, if I walk by a table, I have to touch it three times, and if I get interrupted, I have to do it again. That's more OCD. So I've had some some patients who ha have had some who bitten their 
uh, lips or feel a need to bite a glass, like a like not a plastic glass, but like a glass made of glass. Uh, and, and that could be very, you know, but it's hard sometimes to know if that's an OCD behavior or a tick. The more complicated a behavior is, ticks are usually very simple movements. They can be more complicated like that, but biting in glass, hitting somebody else, those are very unusual to be ticks. And, and I'm a bit suspect when I hear some of those things. Um, so, but, but yeah, causing self-injurious behavior. And, and sometimes to the point, if people still have very severe ticks into adulthood, sometimes, and if medicine doesn't work to help these injurious ticks, sometimes you have to do what's called deep brain stimulation, where you implant a stimulator into their brain. And we use that in other disorders like Parkinson's disease, other kind of movement disorders, but they have used it for Tourette's syndrome as well. But that's obviously, it's brain surgery and implanting a device into your brain. So that's obviously very heavy duty and we don't do that. In All right. I think that much. is a good overview of Tourette's syndrome. Uh, I also learned that it's not Tourette's syndrome. It's just the singular Tourette. That was the first thing that I needed to correct in my knowledge. TS, as they call it. I think we know what it is and what it isn't and how curable and how not curable, cur curable it is. And I think that can help us move into uh, the next chunk that we want to talk about. Okay, so Ali, in the second part, uh, we're going to talk about media portrayals of Tourette syndrome. So I'm just wondering, because, you know, I, I think you probably had some preconceptions of Tourette syndrome uh, before we did the second part, right? I'm just wondering if that was informed by anything you've seen in, in portrayals in, in the media. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first exposure to the concept of this 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 condition was in media and it was the most extreme version of someone just yelling obscenities at at people and i don't know what movie that it was but it would have been in the 90s and it was the so the first time i learned about it was also you know seeing it in its most extreme and as you just said rare form and it was used for for comedy and and then i didn't hear about Tourette uh, as as much and then lately, you know, there's a there's a guy on YouTube, the Tourette's guy. So he says Tourette's. Um, so th this is also like it is Tourette syndrome, but anyway, Tourette's with the S. And it's uh, he's got an official YouTube channel. Every video has uh, one million to two million views. There's a compilation. The best of Tourette's guys has three point four million views. What do you know about this guy here? Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts I mean, on this? So we – so actually we did um, a couple studies, myself and some of the uh, students I was working with. Uh, one, we looked at the portrayal of uh, Tourette syndrome on YouTube. Uh, we looked at another one in film and television, which we can talk about in a second. But the YouTube ones, there's a lot – I mean th this Tourette guy really bothers me a lot. If you watch these videos – and I actually encourage people to not watch them because it's uh, just so stupid. It's just basically a guy being like a jerk. Like he sits in his chair and he like yells at people. But he doesn't have tics. He doesn't have Tourette syndrome. So it's a complete misnomer and it's, it's kind of maligning people with this disorder it, does he have totally anything he wears uh he wears a neck brace it's, is it all a ruse no my and my research suggests that he's just an actor playing this doesn't even have anything we, again and we'll talk about social media in a second about how um 
those a lot of that is people who do have ticks and Tourette syndrome, but um, on TikTok and things like that. So really, like disappointing, you know, in terms of that portrayal. And and I agree with you. There are some good portrayals in TV and and movies, but for the most part, they've been for comedic effect, right? Like in in uh, Deuce Bigelow, Amy Poehler has a character where you know he's going on a date, and then she, you know she's uh, swearing. Uh, the Simpsons had Bart, like you know, trying to get out of class by having Tourette syndrome. And so all and South Park's done it. It's, you know, it's 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 a lot of this, you know, for comedic effect and it's laughing at the people, right? That's been and there's definitely been other things. There have been movies of the week and things like that. Well recently a, a great film that I would recommend to people is called Motherless Brooklyn. Uh Edward Norton plays a, a, a character with Tourette's it's not a, purely for comedic effect. It's it's more for the conflict of the character. Uh, himself. And I think you watch it and you, you're you more sort of, you feel sympathetic to somebody who might have to deal with uh, ticks on a regular basis. And you sort of, you, you empathize more than you laugh at it. But in any case, yeah, it's it's there. If you look up movies with Tourette syndrome, you look up televisions with Tourette syndrome, you'll see there's um there's plenty in in mm-hmm. yeah in, and that um, movie it's cultures. it's that's that's a, a i think a bit of more of a progression right because the plot of that movie doesn't involve him because it's based on on a famous novel right so it's, it's the plot doesn't involve is he has Tourette syndrome but that's not the whole plot it's not like how do i deal with life with Tourette syndrome right it's not like a it's it's He's a plays a detective, I think. Is that right? Yeah. And so, and you know, so it's it's him doing that job, but also having to have Tourette syndrome, which of course is true. People aren't defined by their illnesses, right? So uh, for that, it's a bit more nuanced portrayal. And also, as you talk about the progression, I think we've seen people, not characters, but human beings on some of these reality shows. There's the British Big Brother. There was uh, American Idol. So you think you can dance? A number of shows have. Uh, have sort of uh, highlighted without um, without the mockery of it, uh, right? There's, there's yeah, that. American Idol. Yeah, that that uh, that gentleman who was on American Idol, um, Mackenzie Desenzo. Yeah, something. yeah, I th- has done. Oh, sorry, that was a that was a sorry. That's a young woman said her tics could disappear when she dances. That's so you think you can dance. Dave Pittman was the was the guy, young man on uh, on season nine of American Idol. Yeah, those portrayals are really good. Uh, obviously, real people uh, living with Tourette syndrome. I didn't tell you the story, Ali, before, but I was approached by this uh, show, and of course, I can't really remember the name of the show, but it was it was a British import which was being made in Canada, and uh, this show was basically. They took people who had some who were not neurotypical, um, usually autism, uh, Tourette syndrome, or something like that, and it's it's it, they were trying to get them a job, right? They they, they found that they were unemployed uh, and couldn't get a job, and they wanted to get them a job, and that was the idea. So the idea would be, you know. In the show, you hear a story about this person with like Tourette syndrome. They have a hard time in society and interacting. Let's get a um, – and then they wanted me to be on as an expert and, and to kind of help them. Co- I'm like, well, I can't coach people how to get a job. Like I don't know what skills this person has. I'm not a job counselor. So I don't, they're like, no, no, no. 
you basically the impression I got from them was they wanted to say how the Tourette syndrome it seems like a bad thing, but there's all these good things associated with, and wouldn't they be perfect for this particular job because it's almost like a superpower that people don't understand. And I just was like, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with this. I'll pass you on to some of my colleagues, and I'm not. I'm not going to do this, and because I'm like. This type of thing, again, just my opinion, I think simplifies Tourette syndrome. Obviously, I mean, people who have Tourette syndrome are not defined by their disorder. They are people who have hopes, dreams, aspirations, career aspirations. They can do anything, and so why would you? It shouldn't be linked necessarily to their to their um, their diagnosis. So I, I felt uncomfortable with that, and I kind of just just said no thanks to that. But uh, yeah, I, I never told you that story before. No, how long ago was that? Maybe three or four years ago. I since watched the show. It That's was, what I was uh, going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, the show it was, did it go. It was okay. on. Yeah, I, I found it. And I, God, I wish I could remember the name. It's on TV Ontario in Canada. And um, if I find it, I'll put it, I'll put the link on to um, our website. You guys can watch the episode. I'm not in it. But you guys can watch the episode that they wanted me on for and um, see what you think. I mean, I'm not, you know. You can make your own judgments about it. I think it was fine. I don't think it was uh, really exploitative or anything like that, but just wasn't my my cup of tea. The interesting thing now, which you know most people could predict, possibly with everything being uh, accentuated and um, high lit during the pandemic and anxiety, you know, uh, reaching these, these peak levels, ticks have also increased in this in, in the pandemic. Right. And there's an article in it in the Atlantic talking about, um, uh, or, or I think there's two actually. There's one in Vice magazine. There's one in in on, on, in the Atlantic talking about this epidemic within a pandemic. Right. So yeah, there's so many layers to this. So this is what I think this this section we get to the meat of this section in terms of the influence of social media. But taking a step back, we definitely see an increase in ticks over the pandemic, a hundred percent, and especially even patients who I see who are older, right? They had ticks, they had that peak between ages 10 through 12 uh, to 13 or so, and then they had improvement. And now they're calling me again saying we're having more ticks. And the reason for that is not because of getting COVID and COVID, you know, attacking your body and your brain and causing increased ticks. And it's not because of vaccines or anything like that. We saw these increases way before vaccines were available in the teenage age group. So it's none of those things. It's just what I always say, you know, I ask these teens, I'm like, are you stressed? And they say, oh, not really. I say, well, that's interesting because uh, there's uh, like six or seven billion people in the world who are stressed right now, right? We, you can't plan your life two weeks in advance because you don't know if there's going to be another lockdown. You don't know if schools are going to close. That's stressful for people and people want to have some semblance of control and they don't. So that's so everybody is anxious. It's just the level of anxiety. And we talked about before how ticks are worse with anxiety or stress. So to me, that's not unusual, but it's not just me who's seen that. As you said, this increase in ticks has been seen in the UK. There's studies from Sweden, uh, Italy, I believe. So this increase in ticks for sure has been seen uh, overall. Again, it's even in people who I thought their ticks had outgrown or almost outgrown or improved a lot. But you're talking about something else though, right? I am talking about something else. And and here's what I wanted to bring up. I, I have this interesting relationship with TikTok because 
I was like, most people will admit when TikTok came out, it seemed like it was just for, for you know, a dance, choreographed dances yeah, and, exactly, and yeah. uh, you know, cat videos. So I was like, I don't need to be on this. Uh, I remember the feeling a decade ago when I was on Facebook and my mother joined Facebook. I was like, oh, God, what is happening? This is awful. And I didn't want to do that to my children who, you know, that they watch TikTok. That's a source of entertainment, uh, just like YouTube and just like various television shows on Netflix are. So I was like, I won't do that. But over the last few years, particularly with, there's this real like badass element to TikTok. You, I, I'm sure you remember when Donald Trump was going to do, I don't remember where the rally right, was. Right, I think it was rally, in, yeah. in, in, in Tulsa or something. So a bunch of TikTokers, a large group of young people through TikTok organized and rallied together and said, buy tickets for this, this rally of his. And, uh, and they didn't show up, so they had they had um, reserved tickets for themselves, made it look like the numbers were going to be huge, and then uh, they kind of stiffed Donald Trump and and stood him up and made the rally look a little bit embarrassing. And and uh, even in China, in Pakistan, these young women in the Middle East who are you know they start with these beauty demos and then they start you know and then their political messages and agendas are are in there and. Um, I don't know, man. It's so commendable that I was thinking of getting on to TikTok just so I could watch. Um, and I'm, I'm, the inclination is to not do that because how much time is wasted. You've talked about, you know, taking Twitter off your phone, and now I'm talking about putting an app on my phone to watch <laughs> yeah. it more. It's, Add more stuff. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like a bad idea, but I'm just so. And, and and there's no denying the the power of TikTok. You know, sometimes well, I don't remember what it was. I think I was using Nivea or Vaseline on my lips, and my 14 year old daughter at the time says, "You're not supposed to use Vaseline." I was like, "Oh, what do you do? You have a dermato dermatological <laughs> uh, degree that I don't know what's the no? I heard about on TikTok. You're supposed to use this product." I was like, "The influence." Of, exactly. of these kids is insane, right? And it's the the most popular app, um, social media app out there. But the reason I asked about the, uh, the talked about the epidemic during the pandemic also is because on TikTok, you know, the joke is you're putting the tick into TikTok because you're seeing all these uh, videos and and. and so on the one hand, and this is what this Atlantic article, and we'll put a link to this article uh, in the. Um, in the show notes, it's very interesting to talk about how, you know, many people have questions about disabilities that they can't easily find out answers to. They can't ask people, they don't feel comfortable. And so you have this very educational element to TikTok as well. Like, hey, I'm a person with a disability. This is what the disability is. This is what it means for me on a daily basis. But this is how confident and competent I can be as a human being. Despite that, it is perhaps a shortcoming, but I overcome it by doing you know A, B, and C, uh, including you know whatever dance videos or whatever it might be on TikTok. I have these skills and focus on the good and don't focus. On it. It's fantastic. However, what I wanted to talk about is the left turn we have taken since fantastic. Which which goes back to your the the Tourette's guy where you're like we don't any longer know who's really got disabilities and who is exploiting their own disabilities and who doesn't even have a disability and is pretending to have one for the sake of right. TikTok videos. So it's a tough situation. So basically, there's lots of famous TikTokers who 
have ticks. Let's just say that you watch their videos and they have ticks. We're talking about millions of people. And of course, the TikTok algorithm, right? The more you watch of something, the more you see of that. So you're, you're watching a lot of tick videos, you're going to get more and more of those, right? Which is the reason why you know, people who are watching depressing things can go down a rabbit hole or or whatever, you know what I mean? And so there's been this clear increase in tick videos on TikTok. So one example, in March of 2021, during a three-week period, the number of videos with the keyword Tourette and tick increased by 7% to a total of 5.8 billion views, okay? Uh, and so we're seeing these increase in these tick videos, okay, and by these uh, various content creators. And the Atlantic article is really good. And so I'm of a bit of two minds of it. And, and it's definitely good in a lot of ways because uh, when you watch some of these videos and uh, uh, you see people with ticks and, and not being embarrassed about it. We talked about the whole bullying thing and things like not being embarrassed, being out there with it. Millions of views. Obviously, people are supporting them. There's nobody laughing at them. You know, these, these are people who actually who are admired uh, as influencers. Um, and, and so that's definitely a good thing. Absolutely. The normalizing of something that might seem abnormal. I'm a big fan of that, whether it's their skin color or your your ethnic background or your religion and certainly with disabilities. I think Absolutely. it's some power so there. That is all good. It starts to become a bit more complicated though. As you said, there are some accusations that some people are just pretending to have ticks, you know, on TikTok to get all these views. But it's a bit even more complicated than that. So I guess let's so I, I watch some of these TikTokers on 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 the videos, and there's a couple people. One guy is Glenn Cooney, and he's featured in this Atlantic article, which we're we'll linked to. So he's he's a gentleman who's in his forties, who has kids, who um you know if has you YouTube dad with Tourette's, you would come you'll, across you'll Glenn, Cooney and then you can the watch some of his videos, yeah. and he sells merchandise and and is you know has income generation from this his merchandise by the way uh, kind of interesting is some of the um things that he, he kind said. of blurts out so yeah, so in and, and, and he had some traumatic things happen when he was a child sounds like he had ADHD as well and then um uh, and I think of uh, some abusiveness in the household he grew up in. And so, you know, lots of, lots of um, stressors for him when he was younger and then has this. And he said he only was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome recently. But I'm not implying anything than what, than what I'm about to say. I just found it somewhat unusual. I watched just the most recent video on his TikTok stream because uh, I want to see what this is all about. It was him baking with his wife, okay, in their kitchen. And he will, would do things like he didn't have a lot of facial tics. He would say things, but he would make jokes about the eggs or make jokes about the thing. It wasn't like a one-word phrase or sniffing or grunting or anything like that. And then he would take the eggs and throw them at the ceiling and like grab his, his wife's behind or he would, uh, um, you know, throw flour in her face or something like that. And I'm like – you know, again, we talked about this. I see a lot of patients with ticks, and these are very unusual to be ticks, right? Because remember, uh, one of the criteria for ticks is these repetitive movements or vocalizations. That's in the definition of ticks. Well, eggs, throwing an egg at the ceiling isn't a repetitive thing unless you do that every single day, right? So it's more like 
I don't really know. I'm not really sure how those 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 would be ticks. And so I don't know. I, I just left with a big question mark about what exactly it is going sounds on like yeah, it sounds like you're dancing around it, but could it be that he just enjoys acting like a jackass? Is that the possibility here? More than Well, if, again, to be fair, there's like if you say he because he does say is he is ADHD and there's different kinds of ADHD. There's an impulsive kind of ADHD. This would make a lot more um sense if you said he had, had a very severe impulsive ADHD, just doing things without thinking, right? That's what it would be, throwing an egg at the ceiling and stuff like that. I think that would make sense. Again, I'm not his neurologist. I've never interacted with his person at all or examined them. So I really have no idea. But all I can say is from my point of view and my expertise, what he was doing would be very atypical for ticks. And I'm sure there are some people who might have concerns uh, and allege that maybe you notice that a lot of these videos are getting views. So let's do more of this behavior. So is it voluntary behavior? I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, so, you know, and then I watched a few more. One uh, woman who's Zara Beth on, on TikTok, millions of followers, who has tics. But it's interesting. I was watching more of her videos and she's like, oh, I've been diagnosed with an FND, which is a functional neurologic disorder, which we talked about a few weeks ago on the show, which is this conversion disorder, right? Where you have these unexplained things. And I think for her, it's fainting and not being able to walk. I think she's in a wheelchair. Most, we most were of the talking about conversion disorder in connection with the show, Never Have I Ever. Right. And she couldn't anyway. walk. And, and this, this girl, Zara Beth, also suffers from that. So again, I don't know, does she have tics and functional disorder or all, could all of her tics be functional? I don't know. Um, I have no idea uh, in terms of, of what's going on. I certainly have seen patients with functional um, tics and actual tics, like, you know, they have Tourette's syndrome and they have functional uh, uh, disorder as well. I've seen that overlap. So I, I, I don't know. Um, so uh, I just find that was, that was interesting because now you're into this gray area. And again, I saw another YouTube video from someone, and this person I won't name, uh, but who um, has a bunch of uh, tics and, and, and Tourette syndrome, but then has a, has lots of seizures as well and many different kinds of seizures. And it's a bit complicated uh, in terms of how epilepsy works, but patients with numerous different types of seizures, like the type described by this person and filmed by this person, it would be very unusual for you to have normal intellectual development and be an otherwise, um, you know, cognitively normal person, not have development to delay autism and things like that, to have all these seizure types in one person. It would just be a bit unusual. Again, like I said, I, I, I so I guess I, I, I for me, I, I think there's some missing stuff here with these people. But again, it's because they're on social media. They're not like trying to publish their case in a in a scientific journal or anything. So, and that, no, nor should they. They don't have to do that. So that that is a bit complicated as well. So, what does that mean for the average person watching a video of somebody with a disability? In your mind, then, is it take it with a grain of salt? Is it because you know what we talked about is the power of something like TikTok to uh, highlight and and even sometimes celebrate a disability. And if you're doing the opposite as a, as a sort of um, a like and a retweet chaser, aren't you ha harming 
Aren't you doing the exact know. opposite? I don't know. And and honestly, that that's you know, I, I think it would be more important to ask people like with the uh, Tourette syndrome societies in like the US and Canada, ask those people how they feel about it. Maybe you know, more awareness and more acceptance is probably good as you're saying. Um so um, you know, does it really matter? It, it, I guess some might argue if it's functional enough, if, if it's raising awareness, I guess it doesn't matter. So in other words, I, I think any awareness is is positive and more acceptance is positive. Whether, you know, irrespective of, of what's being portrayed, if, it, if, it's, if it's increasing acceptance, that might be good. But there's always a fly in the ointment in these things. So the other thing, and you mentioned this Vice article, and, and uh, which which is based on a scientific article, which is actually done by some of my colleagues in Calgary, Alberta, Tamara Pringsheim and Davide Martino, and, and with a bunch of other uh, investigators from across the world. And so what they've noticed, especially in the past year or so, is that they've seen an increase in functional or conversion disorder tics. If you look at at the data from Calgary as well as from these other centers, it used to be one to five percent of total cases of all ticks they would see would be these functional ticks. So very unusual. I've only seen a handful in my career, not not very, probably less than five or less. So not very common. Yeah, not very common. And they're saying now it's twenty to thirty five percent of all of the tick patients are seeing have these functional conversion disorder ticks. So the question is, why are we seeing a peak in that? Probably multifactorial. Conversion disorder we talked about is, 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 is uh, we're seeing it more commonly um, uh, in the pandemic. Uh, we saw it commonly when kids were off school. Now we're seeing it again more commonly when they're back in school. Um, you know, <laughs> there's, there's lots of, of, of factors there involved. Uh, because there's increased stress and anxiety, as we said. But the theory is perhaps the TikTok, uh, and this has been described in this article uh, by uh, my colleague uh, Tamara, uh, Dr. Pringsheim, as well as uh, in, in some other articles which we'll link to. The idea is maybe people are watching these TikTok videos and are then doing like developing this conversion disorder because they've seen these patients on, on uh, social media. Again, irrespective of whether the patients have tics, Tourette syndrome, or what, whatever they have, they're developing these things. So this is a theory is that they're they're looking at these things. In some of the cases, there was one case series uh, where they said they had they saw I, I think six teenage girls with an explosive onset of tics, and they all admitted to watching the exact same social media personality uh, on uh, on uh, and. Um, the, the reason why these are thought to be conversion disorder is, and now we have this basis from the first part of the, of the talk to, to, to explain why. These patients are usually teenagers. I didn't mention that Tourette syndrome is more common in males than females, and these are almost all females. So that's very unusual. Two, they're starting at 14, 15, 16, 17. And I just mentioned that's not when ticks start, right? They start usually in five or six, have this peak. And the peak... These, these patients are having multiple ticks at age 15, 16, 17, which is very unusual. The other thing is they have a lot of complex words, complex ticks, uh, swearing, a lot of very violent gestures and things like that. Again, that's just not very common. And especially, it's almost impossible to start off having ticks like that. Usually, you start off with the minor ticks and then. These are six women in six different places, they're not interconnected in any way. 
So that's a good question. The K series, I was saying, was uh, all at one center. The, what we're seeing in other places is is people who don't know each other. But it's interesting that you mentioned that because there was a case, uh, uh, an outbreak in Leroy, New York in 2011, October 2011. And I can remember going to a conference and hearing people talk about this. That's, uh, I remember hearing this, this story at a scientific conference and it was in the news where uh, several teenagers, 20, all at the same high school, developed uh, – acute onset tick movement. So it was thought to be a mass psychogenic illness. So a mass conversion disorder, which has been described. There's been other cases as well described throughout. throughout Brought time, on by what? What was happening in October 2011? Who knows? In who knows? And then why if they call this a contagion, right? Like maybe contagion? Contagion, I think sounds better. Would you agree? It does to me. I don't know what language <laughs> you were speaking there for a second, but yeah. So a, a mass contagion, but of this... Uh, psychosomatic conversion disorder, functional illness. Why that happens, why they all develop it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's but these have uh, occurred before. They think some of that, uh, the Salem witch trials and thought, the, thought it was like a mass conversion disorder as well. So who knows why that happened? Um, but that, so some of the uh, articles are arguing what we're seeing is a mass, uh, contagion of this conversion disorder, but it's occurring not in person, as you're saying, at a high school. It's occurring throughout. And there is some interesting evidence uh, in um, uh, uh, for this, that this may be what's going on. In in one of the articles, 7.9% uh, of the cohort mentioned that their, t their tics were from, they picked up the tick they're doing from watching another content creator, right? They, they saw them doing a tick, and this was the word beans, Okay, and then they then they would say that. Now we talked about you know if you're talking to someone about a tick that will cause them to do more. So certainly it's very possible that patients with Tourette syndrome can pick up ticks from other people. That has been described. People with Tourette syndrome will say that you know they go to a Tourette syndrome conference like oh, now I started doing the tick that person was doing. That 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 does happen, but it's just unusual that you're seeing this in all these different pockets. It's so much so that the TikTok creator, her name is this trippy hippie. Uh, her name is Evie Meg, but her her TikTok handle, I guess, is this trippy hippie. Uh, she has a TikTok video saying, you know, me watching 95% of people with ticks to say that the beans tick is what they have and knowing I'm the original source. So it's kind of her looking concerned and stuff like that in her video because like she's stressed because these she has this tick and, and it's picking up. So um so it's interesting. Like it, it's it's. I don't think we're gonna know this until until much later. Uh, what happened with this? Was it due to TikTok? Was it not? Maybe it's just making people who have ticks, who were and Tourette syndrome, who were so um, maybe embarrassed or you know felt not socially accepted. Maybe it's just they're like, oh, I can be accepted for this finally, and now I'm gonna go online and and and, and post things about my ticks and Tourette syndrome. So. I don't know. Um, you know what I'm reminded of, and it might be very uh, disconnected here, but in the month of September, you know, it was the 20th uh, anniversary of 9-11, decided to revisit some of that um, collective trauma. One of the weirder and eventually more comedic things that happened, uh, eventually comedic, but at the time, Steve Renizzisi, do you know who Steve Renizzisi is? Actor, comedian made up the story on 9-11 that he was in one of the buildings and had to escape the building. He's in The League. I don't know if you ever watched The League on FX. So he made up this 
entire story for years. He maintained the story that he was there in one of the towers and narrowly escaped. And, you know, psychologically, people are like, he was so affected by what was happening and wanted so, I don't know, he, he, you know, some people, I think the simple explanation is, uh, oh, you wanted to get some of the sympathy and the shine, quote unquote. Uh, But I think deeper, there was so, there was such a trauma and such a bad feeling for what was happening there to those people and wanting to help them and wanting to be part of it and wanting to have this collective grief and trauma and, but you're alive. So you, you know, what can you do? You get yourself closer to it and say you were part of it. And he maintained that lie for, I think, almost a decade until he finally came clean and said, yeah, I wasn't in that building. Yeah. And, and, and again, as you said, we're not saying that anybody that we've mentioned today does or doesn't have Tourette syndrome or, or, or is faking this to make money. I think that's probably the most cynical viewpoint, as you said. And it's probably a lot more complicated than that. If there is a conversion disorder component to some of these people, I think it's very complicated. And uh, I don't know. We, I don't think we're going to have any easy answers now. The most we can say right now from these studies that have come out is that there is an increase in these functional conversion disorder, psychogenic type tics. What's the role of social media on that? Still to be determined, though it seems to be playing some sort of role. And what's going to happen later on? Is this just going to be a peaking and then go down? Was it just related to COVID? Is this going to be an ongoing thing if social media and TikTok continue like this? I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of unanswered questions. Thank you, Dr. Doja. We'll keep an eye on this story as it develops, is the only thing I know to say in my most uh, broadcasty voice. But we will. We will keep an eye on it because it, I think it's just in its infancy. And there's obviously more to, uh, to watch as, it, as this thing goes on. Okay, so that's uh, the episode for today. A bit of a different episode. We did things kind of out of order, but hopefully people found this interesting. I hope so. I found it interesting. Um, I just, w- when you read those articles, the the two that we have links to, I, I think uh, it's hard not to find it pretty fascinating. It's also hard from my perspective not to be a little bit cynical. So this was a good, a valuable chat in that regard also to, uh, to remember there's a lot of real stuff there too. And just remember, we talked a lot about medicine today. I talked a lot. But remember, although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about for interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Ali, anything else to plug? Oh, yeah. I got it. I got it now, buddy. I got the plug. I have been working on a show called Run the Burbs for the last um, month, month and a half. And uh, I am one of the sort of recurring uh, guest stars on this show. If anybody knows what the uh, a, a call sheet is, which is your, you know, every day who's on set, to be high up on the call sheet means you're one of the regulars on a show. So I'm, I'm number five on the call sheet. I'm playing a grandfather. I've been growing out this oh, beard. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, I know. It's that's, one of those good news, bad news things. You got this amazing recurring news. role. Yeah. I want you to play, we want you to age you up. <laughs> age you up 10 years. But um, it's a good thing uh, almost entirely 
to 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 be on the show. And this show stars Andrew Fung. And Andrew Fung, if you ever watch Kim's Convenience, he played Kimchi on on that show. And this is not a spin-off, but his own new show called Run the Burbs. It comes out January 5th. And I'm I'm happy to say I play a a big role in it. Well, that will be on CBC. That'll be on CBC television in, in Canada and probably uh, online CBC Gem. There will be ways for people to watch it. I'm I'm certain of that. And and hopefully bought in the U.S. Uh, because some that's, of the U.S. That money. was that's always the hope. That's always the hope. From what I see, from the point of view of the script and the directors and all the cast, it's uh, it's something very special to be part of. Great. Well, congrats, Ali. That's great news. Thanks, bud. And uh, yeah, well, that's it for today, guys. We'll see you next time. See ya.